We've all heard so much about what it's like to be black in America, but have you even considered what it's like to be Asian American in America? Or maybe you are Asian American and you maybe feel like you're not seen or heard in this conversation about diversity and inclusion. Today's guest, CJ Liu, is here to share her version of what it's like to be growing up Asian in America and how she feels about the recent violence to Asian Americans within our borders. Join us for an enlightening conversation. Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. To join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show, Soul Nectar Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show. That's show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to who we are in truth through a series of divine moments, divine connections. And that might not seem divine at the time. It might seem like, well, this stuff hurts or this is crappy. I don't want this. But actually, all that stuff ends up serving us in some other profound way that later on we discover. And I love how the divine mystery connects us to our big purpose. Um, Seems to be flawlessly. It's just part of the endless dream of our life. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. And I love these conversations. Uh, They illuminate me. They open me. They help me to be a better human. They give me more insight. And I invite you to all of these conversations. And, um, you know, I really find yourself in the conversation too, because we are, you know, we are evolving together. And the more we can listen to another person's experience, and the more we can really put ourselves in the frame of reference that's being shared, the more we actually see how we share so many things in common. It's just that the details are different. And we can have more compassion and empathy that way. And I believe that's the path to less war and less conflict is by taking the time to drop in and really listen to each other. And that's what we do here every single week on Soul Nectar Show. And you never know what you're going to learn and what you're going to find about yourself in these conversations. So I invite you today to a conversation with uh, my new friend, CJ. Welcome, CJ. Hi. Hi, everyone. So glad you're here. CJ Liu is an executive coach and the host of the Fire It Up with CJ show, which I've also been on, and I'll definitely put a link in the show notes. And she's a mom, too, to two college-age boys, and so we have a lot in common there. Is, you know, I've got two of those same things, <laughs> one still in my house and one leaving. <laughs> We're gone with his grandma right now. So, yes, mothers unite in the, uh, in the epic uh, I was going to say battle, but it's not really a battle. Mothers unite in the epic uh, mission to save Earth. Mm. I think that sounds good. So, CJ, gosh, I know we're going to talk about a big topic today. And before we really get into that, I want to just hear a little bit about you and what led you to host your Fire It Up with CJ podcast. Like, what was the impetus that led you there? to become a messenger and start sharing your message in the world? Um, so I'm, as I mentioned, I, um, as you mentioned, I'm a, a executive coach and I had, um, I had, sometimes you have clients that just go waywards. Something goes sideways. You have no idea how you got there, but it just goes sideways. And I had one of those clients and, um, a dear friend of mine said, I think you purposely sabotage yourself because you don't want to be doing this alone in your work. And I said, no, I didn't. And then um, both of us use muscle testing and it's like, oh yes, I did. <laughs> okay. And, um, Oops. <laughs> and um, I think I'm going back to what you said in, is the um, purpose of your show. I think um, 
in my essence, I knew that I was supposed to be doing something different, but I didn't really know what it was. And at the time she said, well, what do you want to be doing? And I said, you know, I love traveling, but with two little boys, because at that time they were really young, I really can't travel around the world and interview people. That's what I would like to do. Um, so if doing like, what I'd like to do is just call people up and ask them any question I want. That would be my ideal scenario and to have a radio show. And that's it. And right now, and that was right before my husband and I took, um, we took a five month sabbatical because he had just left his job. He was the executive director of a nonprofit. So he left his job and we thought this was a perfect time to take our two little kids um, that were in third and fifth grade. We were told that's the best time where uh, to like pull them out to see the world. So we traveled um, across the country. Um, we went to Eastern Europe, um, Middle East um, and, and, um, and then Western Europe and um, not thinking about anything. I just knew that something was afoot, something was changing. My essence wanted me to do something else but I didn't really know what it really was. But I had said, you know, months, before, probably like three or four months before that, you know, maybe six months before that, this thing about the radio show. And um, my husband and I were, were like at the very end, we're like, okay, let's talk about what we want to do next. And I said, I just want to have an excuse to call people up and ask some questions, but it kind of has to be a radio show because at the time podcasts weren't that popular. And I said, it has to be a radio show for people to care. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I want. So um, a week and a half later, um, talking about synchronicities, I get a call on Skype, which is very strange because I, I don't even, I barely check Skype or for some reason I get a text message from Skype. And this person's like, hey, I'm in Seattle. I saw your profile and we'd like you to be host of this radio show for our network. And I thought, what? <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, Okay. And I thought, you know, and, and, you know, what's so interesting is I think our ego or mine is like, really, I don't know. This seems weird to me. I can't No, you know, and then I was like, no. And then part of me is like, no, you have to do this. Like what's the likelihood <laughs> someone has found you? So you have to do this. And I have to overcome all of my fears about doing a radio show and putting myself out there, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I found myself I don't know if, if I found the radio show or the radio show found me, but that's how it happened. That's amazing. Yeah, that synchronicity that just like a week and a half later, boom, there it was. They reached out to you. Somehow yes. they found you and like knew your heart's desire and said, here it is. I've, I've had so many times in my life. I was talking to my husband had done a TED talk and I said, I'd like to do a TED talk one day. That's one of my aspirations. <laughs> literally like two weeks later I got um, a call from people um, in TEDx Seattle and they said we'd love for you to come and talk to us and I was like I don't even know what you want me to talk about like distributing brochures doing emceeing like I really didn't know but and I thought I don't I don't even know what this is so I met with them and they said so what is your talk about <laughs> I don't even have a talk because I came here without knowing exactly what this meeting was about and they're like, so what would you like to talk about? And I just had to wing and I was like, well, what I want to get a sense is if what you really think is the need out there and what you would like to bring forth and, and the participants. I mean, I was just making stuff up on the fly and that's how my TED talk emerged. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Some people try to hunt those things down forever and they can still can't get one. <laughs> And here you are, it just like knocks on your door. It's super unpopular, so it's not that impressive, but it's just, ha but it's more that just how things have unfolded have been really quite beautiful. So I feel like sometimes, even though, you know, it's about finding your essence, and sometimes I guess I would add to, um, and, and add to what you're saying, there's synchronicity where your essence finds, like the essence is brought out by you, by your experiences. Yeah, so true. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, and, you know, I fully believe and know in my, for my own journey that um, everything that's happened to me and is happening to me is for me. Even if in the moment it feels awful, that there's something about that thing that is for me and my evolution and whatever it is I'm here to bring to, you know, humanity, to my family, to my clients. So 
I know that you and I are going to have a discussion today that's might be a little challenging and uncomfortable for some people, right, who find themselves in this conversation, maybe not the most beautiful way. And, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, like Yeah. And I could only say that because as I was, um, so what I want to say is CJ has shared with me the beginning of an article and, and, and I, I know that eventually this is going to be out there and published and maybe even by the time this episode comes out, who knows, but it's a topic that is on my heart these days because of everything that's been happening in the collective. And I really, I asked CJ, you know, would you be willing to have a conversation with me about this topic? Because when we connected on her show, it was like, it was really clear that this was a topic we both care about. And uh, you see, I'm stalling. I'm only stalling because I want, I, want, I want everyone to relax. So let's just take a breath. <laughs> and talk about something super uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, and why are we going to talk about it? Because we need to talk about this stuff right now. Like, this is the time. It's important. We have to have these conversations. And so, you know, I'm going to set, I'm going to set uh, CJ up for some success here with this conversation. This conversation is really about, it got kicked off this version of it. Let's just say this version of the conversation, because the conversation has been going on. But the this version of it got with some potency got kicked off last year with George Floyd and the media attention of George Floyd, right? And because, you know, that conversation um, about African Americans and about um, white America, white America and cops, so blue bodies, white bodies and black bodies, is very high tension, right? It's a high tension conversation. And there's a lot of people who really would not to not have that conversation anymore. And there's a lot of people who are like, we have to have this conversation and I'm going to make sure this is an issue we talk about because my life depends on it. Right. And in the middle of all of that polarity in conversation, which is white hot, you know, just like, like a bomb went off and we all have to talk about this. There's, there's other conversations that get ignored in that big conversation. And the conversation we're gonna talk about today is, you know, there's <sighs> systemic racism isn't just a black and white issue. Systemic racism is like, it's an every, it's, it's a conversation between this, this idea of white supremacy and everybody else. That's really the conversation. And it, it affects people. It affects people deeply in as they're growing up. And some of the things that you're gonna share today, uh, CJ, from your article, I remember these things. I either experienced them, I may have even chanted along with it. Pretty sure I did, right? Found it humorous and then realized along the way, like, this is really messed up. This is so messed up that it's, that it's just a childhood chant. How did this happen? And what's the conditioning that turns children against children? What's the conditioning that makes us attack each other based on how our ethnicity or how we present? And, you know, I love that um, I invited CJ to come along in an exploration I'm having right now with the Evolutionary Business Council about systemic racism. And we're exploring the book Cast by Isabel Wilk Wilkerson. And it's a really potent book. So I know, we're, I know some of those things are going to come out in our conversation because it's up for us today. Like we're in the middle of this retreat. CJ and I are like just beginning. We're going to be going to the retreat full time on Friday and Saturday. It's like, oh, so it's in the space. So I, I'd love for you to just share like CJ, like your, your article, wherever you want to start, whatever feels precious and potent for you to share. I would love for your voice to be heard. Well, um, I'll just connect some of the things that you said because people may not have, have probably haven't read the article. So the article that I wrote starts off with um, me when I'm like little, like probably in um, in kindergarten, 
And there are these child, these other kids that were um, taunting me. And at that time, it was like Chinese, Japanese, look at me, dirty knees, you know, that, look at the, no, Chinese, Chinese, Japanese, dirty knees, look at these. And then people be grabbing at their breasts. And, um, and that's kind of where it starts off. And um, as you said, like, you were an innocent kid, you were just probably laughing, maybe you were not or witnessing it. it in some ways, it doesn't matter. I mean, we, there are these, these generational things that happen, right? Like, you're just watching the other kids. You're like, I guess this is what we're supposed to do. This is what is fun or whatever. Um, so anyways, that's just to kind of link it back to um, what you were saying. And so, you know, I think the, and I think the thing that um, I learned from that evolutionary business council is we all are victims and perpetrators. You know, in that particular case, um, maybe you were a perpetrator. You know, we all have um, things that we are unconscious of why we're behaving a particular way. And so I think that um, you were unconsciously, you know, and I have been unconsciously doing things because we just don't, we don't know where they're coming from, but something has been baked into us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing where in the evolutionary business council, we'll be talking about conditioning that is, unconsciously baked into us through the news. And so we were looking um, yesterday, one of the exercises was to look at the headlines in the news. And so I read through the top five headlines in the New York Times. And it was like the words war, divide, struggle, attack were in each of those five, doubt, worry. And, it, and I thought, wow, the New York Times, my you know, um, media of choice is basically instilling fear in me saying, I'm not safe, I have to protect myself, things are changing, you know, and be careful. And so it's, it's like reifying, reinforcing already the um, condition that my brain has to survive and look for things that are harming me and look out there and scan the landscape and, and like try to <laughs> protect myself. And that very same kind of behavior is, is how that same thing is happening um, in society right now, right? Whether you are police, an African-American or Asian and for, or white or whomever you are, we have this unconscious, unprocessed pain. Um, so what happened for me personally is um, I, uh, heard the news report in the evening that the six women, Asian women have been gunned down. And I literally was just numb. I, I, I was just completely numb. And I was like, I can't even watch this. I literally had to change the channel because I just couldn't even deal with hearing about the circumstances of um, these women. And um, I think the more um, work you do on yourself, um, the more your heart opens the less shielded it is and the more you feel your pain. And so I could feel not only um, the personal pain that of all the tauntings and teasings that I've had literally throughout my 58 years of life um, that were never really processed. So there was a whole bunch of unconscious pain that I was feeling, but also I could feel because I'm very um, sensitive and I've been doing all this work at opening my heart I could literally feel the pain of the collective. And it was of this, you know, what uh, my guess is, is, you know, for sure the Asian community, because when I reached out to my girlfriends and said, how are you? They were frenetic. Um, and, and my guess is that it affects everyone. Like, you know, whether you're whatever color, race, gender you are, <laughs> it just reminds you that the world is a violent place in which random things happen. And so I was feeling the collective pain of all of that. And, um, and what surprised me about the whole experience is that um, those shootings actually for me triggered opening up this well of unresolved pain that I had over um, those 58 years of just getting taunted, getting teased, getting pulled, getting, you know, people fighting with me, you know, all those kinds of things just got stuffed down and the, the murder of those women um, reopened the wound. And it was like 
possum coming out. And not only my pus, collective pus was coming out of this wound. And um, it was deeper than I thought because it was not only my pain, but I could feel like the pain of my family members and you know my father and what he used to tell me about racist remarks that were made and things that happened at his job. I could feel my ancestral pain who, who, who my, my parents my, uh, left as immigrants of China because they were not the wanted people in communist China. So they had to flood. So I could just feel the collective pain of my own tribe, um, but in, the, in, in my like racial tribe, but then the greater tribe. And so um, it was a very um, curious experience. And I've literally since that shooting have been like going down the well, deepening my understanding of what's happening. So that's kind of what happened and what triggered for me. That's really, I don't know if that even makes sense. No, it does actually. And I'm really grateful that you're sharing this with us so vulnerably and transparently. I appreciate you being willing to have this conversation because this is an important conversation to have. And for everybody, no matter what your ethnicity, I feel it's an important conversation because we have to start to see how the system of oppression has made each of us players in the system of oppression. The big takeaway I had after, um, I have a couple of takeaways, but one of them is um, this and, and idea in Buddhism is, is samsara and it's the endless circle of suffering. And um, I realized as I went through my emotional journey of unpacking um, what, you know, the numbness, which went into fear, which went into guilt, shame, and then went into anger, is that as I came across the circle, went to anger and, and like the great desire to want to go out and project it all, and but not wanting to, because I knew that wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to consciously do, but to be conscious of the emotional um, wheel that I went through of suffering and then as I sat there um, in meditation and I thought about it and I said, please give me insight to understand what's happening is that, you know, it is a circle. It's a circle that happens generation after generation. It happens from person to person. And if it's never really ever dealt with, the circle of suffering keeps on continuing. And so until we, what was one of my insights until you say, no, I need to stop the violence, violence towards myself, violence towards others, being the victim, being the perpetrator. I, ha I have to stop all of this within myself minimally. Um, and, and faithfully hoping that if I stop the violence within myself, because we're all connected, it stops. It, I do my small share in, in, and helping the collective consciousness and, and, and healing that unconscious, unconscious collective pain. Oh, yes, I agree with that. And it also is leaning into the uncomfortable prickly moments of revealing things that uh, people just take for granted and think that's just the way it is and actually go, actually, no, that's part of systemic racism. So I want to highlight, like, one thing I know for sure <laughs> is definitely, with this regard, part of systemic racism is the way that uh, Chinese medicine and acupuncture has been denied the same status as Western medicine in the United States, like, right there, taking thousands of years of wisdom and saying, well, it's not as supreme as what we've created here in white bodies. Mm -hmm. And we're not even going to recognize it as medicine. That right there is such an insult. And that people believe that, that people are so brainwashed in this country that they think that the people in white coats that are with the AMA are the ones who know everything. And that these and that these people on a lineage for thousands of years with Chinese medicine acupuncture don't know what they're talking about. Um, we were in China. I asked um, my son um, was not feeling well, and um, 
but we, we wanted to give him an ice cream. And the gentleman said, no, no ice cream. And I said, how come? And he's like, you don't want to make the system cold. And I was like, it's hot. We're in the summer. It's not cold. And I said, so what? I'm just curious. What do you do when you're sick? And he said, you know what? Um, I turn towards aspirin. Like I turn towards like over-the-counter medicines. And I said, so do you go to acupuncture? He's like, sometimes, but like, who has the time? And so even in China, some of these things are, I, we really had to hunt because I had been doing a series of acupuncture treatments for some plantar fasciitis when I was there. We literally had to ask our guy to hunt around to find an acupuncturist to actually work on us. So even within China, it's actually dismissed because I think that there is some belief that Western medicine and science is kind of more advanced. So let's emulate that versus understanding the merits. And so I think it's very interesting how um, in Western medicine, there's just this interest in, in you, know, a, you know, ascent towards understanding Chinese medicine, even though I know that you, generally it's dismissed, I, I do see a trend towards it as I see a decline <laughs> and a set to, I mean, it's just this, this kind of thing that happens on both sides. It's, um, and I think the beauty of that is that, you know, embracing it all, you know, cause I, I, sometimes I use Eastern medicine and sometimes I use Western medicine and they're both fantastic. And it's being, I think, discerning on which one to use. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, it is interesting whether it's, 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 it's interesting how um, the racism that occurs and, you know, it's, um, I'll tell you from the evolutionary um, business council, one of the questions is, was about um, white supremacy. That was one of the questions and what it meant to you. And um, as an Asian person, um, I really, I, I, I have, I've been traveling my own journey um, with um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, on the one hand, I talk with clients who um, are um, white men who can't even speak anymore in meetings because their voices are not wanting to be heard. And I have problems with that. You know, I, I understand that they've been heard a lot, but like, I, I just don't even know what to think about that. I have mixed feelings about that. Of another client who is um, a woman who has finally got into a very, you know, leading the whole organization position. And now, um, and as a woman, she has like, you know, worked her tail off to actually have a voice and say what she believes needs to happen. And even because she's white, she's also told that as a woman, she doesn't matter. So it's, there, there's this kind of, um, I see all these different sides of things, right? And at the same time, I have my children and myself who, you know, I was always like told I have to assimilate, like just be humble. And these are cultural things, right? So for me, the culture was to be quiet, fit in, be humble, follow authority, just try to fit in and, and like work your tail off, study hard, and you know, good things will happen. So that's just been my formula all along. And it's a formula that, um, you know, not purposely, but has happened with our kids as well. And then it's hard because I, I've been watching my son who is in computer programming um, uh, have a much harder time at jobs because he's a Eurasian child and, and we're kind of the unwanted minority because there are so many Asians within technology companies that in order to have diversity. So it's, it's just a very kind of confusing place to be. And so I have a lot of thoughts. I don't even know what to make out of all of these thoughts. Mm. And at the same time, um, I'm recognizing that lots of other voices have to be heard and the importance and just joy that I feel in the media showing something. Have you seen, um, it's um, Bridgerton. It's this trashy romance novel thing in, in Netflix, but it's, um, it does such a brilliant job. It takes like, you know, this kind of soap opera British, you know, kind of meet, you know, the kind of merchant ivory meets soap, American soap opera. It meets that space. 
and um, it's um, African American and white people mixing as if there's no like race and, and class and, and gender and all, all those things are kind of mixed into one so you don't think about it anymore and I have to say that that was the most I was I just love that show because it opened my eyes to literally like initially I was like oh well that's interesting you know oh you know even with my own people like I look at Asian women with uh, white men of which I'm married to a white guy I'm like oh that's interesting you know it's like why is it interesting <laughs> <laughs> I mean I still can't help it and Asians are, are, I always have like conversations with my own relatives are like, oh, well, you know, she's married to a white guy or, and, and with the Asians, there's all these little Chinese person married to a Korean, married to a Japanese. And there's all sorts of stuff that happens with that and like judgment and, and hierarchical whatever. I mean, we all have it. And um, so I've been really thankful for the media and, and exposing, and I'm so, I, I, I know this is controversial, but I so love Joe Biden and that he has has um, all these women and people of color in senior positions. And and I watch the news and I'm like, yes, you know, I, I see people who exert power, grace in their own way and and demonstrate to us that everyone has a voice. These voices are important. And I can see different ethnicities like speaking their truth in a powerful way, in a way that is so congruent with our American values that it just makes me feel so happy. So it's a very confusing time, you know, because I'm I'm a victim, I'm a perpetrator, I'm a <laughs> I, I see beauty happening, I see misery and pain happening. It's very, it's a very interesting time. That's so yeah, it, I resonate with what you're saying about it being really confusing because on the one hand, I, I feel like I see the same thing you're saying. I, I've heard, I've heard from many friends who are non-white, you know, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Lots of people across the spectrum that say, it's so great to see my face on somebody in power. Like, I want to see my face on somebody in power. I want to see somebody looks like me. I want to see that. And to see it happening, I think is a sign that like we've dug in. We're like, yeah, we're going forward and we're not, we're not turning back. Like all of those, um, it, like if you're uncomfortable with it, then lean in, right? Like, so there could be lots and lots of different ways to be uncomfortable. I'll just say one of mine. Okay, so I was, got, I don't spend a lot of time, for example, in Asian markets. Like I don't shop at Asian markets, right? I just, I shop at the grocery store or HB, whatever. Like I just hadn't gone. So one time I needed something though that only was at the Asian market. And so I was like, oh, I got to go into the Asian market. And it was such a new experience for me because I walked through the doors and I smelled all the different smells. And cause there's a lot of different smells in there that I'm used to smelling, right? And I was like, this is really interesting. Ooh, like, and I was just noticing what it was doing inside my body. Like my body was reacting right? My body was having reactions. It was like, gosh, this is like almost part of it. I was a little scared too. Like my body was having smells and then the smell was having some association that I don't even know where the association comes from, but mm -hmm. I was noticing the feeling. And then I noticed that some people were looking at me like, are you, should you be in here? <laughs> <laughs> you know that you're clearly white and you're redhead and you're really bold and big. And I don't know that you should be in here. I don't know that maybe that was just my interpretation, but I noticed that there's like cultural differences, right? Like, and I don't know that this is a cultural difference. I want to say this. I'm not sure this is a cultural difference. This might be part of white supremacy in the individualism. I was just listening to cast and she mm -hmm. was talking about how with this white supremacy thing, it's like people who are white can have individual personalities and people who are not white can't. So it's like everybody's part of a group if you're not white. And if you're white, you can be an individual. <laughs> so then I was thinking about that. And I was like, oh, that could be true. And then I was like, this is so uncomfortable. Wait, this so whole If you're a person of color, you can have individuality. Or if you're a person of color, you cannot have individuality. If you're a person of color, you're part of a group. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that from the, on the flip side. I get that. So I was going, and so my whole, but see my journey in my life has been to accept me as I am in my uniqueness and to stop trying to fit in. That's been my journey because there's, there's conformity in white community too. There's like, sit down, shut up. Don't rock the boat. You know, there is that too. But I noticed like I've embraced my uniqueness. I'm like, I'm just going to be who I am. And I, my name is Carrie Hummingbird and I don't care what you people think. <laughs> and so I'm way out there in the individual expression. And then to walk into this environment where it was like, keep your head down, fit in, mm. don't make a big scene. And I'm like this like renegade, <laughs> you know? <laughs> trying to look for some stuff in the market, you know, at least that's how I felt that feeling. And people were like, you shouldn't stand out that much kind of thing. It's very Asian not to stand out. You don't want to stand out. You're supposed to blend in, be humble, fold in. If, at least the way that I was raised in my understanding of my own Chinese culture, that's what I have. And as you mentioned, we're not all the same. Like Chinese culture is really different than Japanese culture than is very different than Korean culture. And so to create an Asian culture is very different than people from India. Like there's, and, and all the very variants of people within India have different cultures too. So it's, I think it's, um, it's a very interesting place to be because I think um, when people saw a Amy Tam, a long time ago she wrote the joy luck club and it was the yes. first Asian voice and everyone's like oh now i know your life i'm like yeah. <laughs> it's not all akin to my life i mean i have pushy moms like okay that's like the only similarity that i can see in this asian story and so it's really really hard because and then then on the flip side, I see like crazy rich Asians. I'm like, oh, this is also not my life, <laughs> you know, but people just, they want to desperately understand. And because Asians are so quiet and they're very humble and they don't talk very often, no one really understands the stories because we also don't share our stories. So when those stories are shared, people just have two little data points in which you're trying to decide what is the Asian story. So I get being, um, kind of the collectiveness and that part of it is, I think you have to be accountable as an Asian. Like part of it is that if we want the story to be different then we have to speak up with our specific story. Like we have to be accountable for it versus just complain like Amy Tam's not my story and neither is, you know, it's like, okay, you know. So, and also to realize that people have their individualized story. I had a person who um, is, um, uh, from India and she said, people ask me like, what's the Asian, what's a person of color take on this? And she's like, I can't speak for all people of color. She's like, I'm, I'm like your pet people of color mascot. I'm supposed to speak on the behalf of all people of color for this press release that you wanna come out. I mean, it's just one of those things that it's a, it, we're, in the, we're in the muddy mess of figuring this mm -hmm. all out. And we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to be guilty and shameful in some way. We're all going to be brilliant in some way. And I think it's just being okay with it all, right? Because we're in this pivot point. What was the word that they said yesterday? It was like purpa, purpa something or other. <laughs> what it was. Um, Perturbation. Perturbation. What is it? Perturbation? Perturbation. Per yeah. I love Which is that. like, it's like that. It's the... Perturbation is like the uh, the frenetic movement of things and the uncomfortable dismantling of things right before an organism evolves to the next higher expression of itself. Yes. So this happens in nature, and we're in humanity's in this process of perturbation right now. On and the more you lean into this conversation, the more you perturbate. <laughs> so, but then you get to evolve. So that's that's a benefit. And we all evolve together. So anybody who does this work is helping the collective to evolve, as you said earlier, CJ. It's a beautiful yeah. thing to say. So I think we have to just, I think one of the things that they said in that workshop, which I think is great, is just like forgive yourself. Uh, I'm sure I've said like 
500 things during this conversation that have irritated you, you know, irritated the listener out there, made you, you know, sad, mad, happy. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I apologize. Like we just, I'm still becoming more conscious. And I think we have to accept that we're all flawed at this point. And, and until we become a, a conscious of our flaws, I probably said like 15 things that have triggered or offended or more you during this conversation. You know, it's just, it's part of this pervidation. What is it? Perturbation. Perturbation. You know, it, it's funny. I, I actually wore this shirt on purpose today. Can you see like some of the designs that have yeah. like, Oh yeah. Pretty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like this idea of bringing in, it's like we've, we've, I think we're all so enamored of various aspects of each other's cultures, you know, and, and so we'll like bring that into ourselves because that we really enjoy that. And I think that's just like one step closer, like now, like let's enjoy each other. <laughs> you know, it's not about the physical manifestations of, of the culture that you enjoy. It's about like, like tasting each other's food. That's wonderful. I love that about America. You can find anybody's food here, any culture, any tribe, any anything, and it's you can enjoy it, right? You can really so like that's just one step closer to enjoying the people. Yeah. The people who made that. And actually recognize <laughs> that you may not like duck feet. You know, I mean <laughs> It's okay. You I may not like the smells in the in in the store, and you may not like duck feet. And actually, as an Asian, I can tell you, as a Chinese person, I also I'm with you. I don't like duck feet, and I I'm not used to the smells either. So like, you're not alone, and you don't have to feel bad. It's just you know everyone is going to be on a journey of what of increasing their consciousness, um, and. And it's all good, like to be, to recognize like, wow, this smell is different and I don't know what to do with it. I'm not sure how to interpret it. It smells off-putting, you know, like if you compare it to Febreze, you know, it's not Febreze. <laughs> it's not Febreze. <laughs> and it's like the same thing with spices, you know, it's like where white people are always being mocked for not being able to have, it's too spicy. Anyway, anytime I've gone to Latin America, they're like, it's too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> so they have teasing for us too, you know, because we have bland food, tend to European kind of people tend to eat bland food. And then, you know, to have spice on your tongue is like, you know, it's kind of shocking. So <laughs> you know what I really like about what you said is that, you know, when you, when you actually take yourself out and you travel to a foreign country. Yes. I love doing that. Everything, right? Like, wow. This is, you know, it looks different from here and, and here are the different foods and I'm noticing this, I'm noticing that, I'm noticing. And you're just, you're, you're, there are things that you like and you're not liking, but you're just not, you're just like consuming it all and digesting and like allowing it all to be there. And some, like I said, some things you like, some things you don't. And I think in some ways, if we just journey along and not punish ourselves when we don't like something, um, and, and notice, um, when that happened. So for example, when we were doing that, one of the uh, questions was, um, noticing news. And, um, what I started noticing recently is I was overjoyed seeing all the different Biden, um, cabinet positions. And, and then I noticed myself doing this awful thing. Um, and it's the same thing I did, um, many years ago. And I'll start with the things I did many years ago because um, I'm like, you know, a dinosaur. So when I was in my 20s, I would look at um, women who were in power positions and I'd be like, how did she get in that power position? What is she doing that's different than what I'm doing? And does she really deserve to be there? Mm -hmm. I could do that. You know, so I mean, so here I am like... <laughs> all gender judging a woman for like is she on par with what I expect and where are those expectations come from right where do they come from they're the white male that has been on previously is she on par with this and so as I was watching the the cabinet positions that Biden has elected I'm like hmm, 
is this, per I found myself again being like, is this person on par with my expectations and thinking, wow, look at that. Look at that racial bias that came along. Um, whatever bias that you have and going, wow, where did that come from? And I realized it comes from this really ancient place of wanting, like there's a standard, this bias on what, you know, educated newsy kind of people, how they communicate and is it meeting a standard? I mean, there's even bias at that level. And I thought, wow, I had no idea that I was watching this in this biased way. So I could be like, oh, I just feel so full of shame that I've, I've had this experience. I should know better. I'm a spiritual person for crying out loud, you know, but like, it's just, it's just happening, right? I've entered into a new country. I'm putting on a new pair of glasses and looking at things from a different pair of eyes and, and thinking, wow, I just never noticed that before. And so do I go punish myself? No, you know, oh, I just, yeah, go ahead. it's like this. This is what my, my spiritual mentor, my current one tells me because we're exploring unconscious bias all the time, right? It's a pen, unconscious bias, pen, same thing. It's a pen. What are you going to do with the pen? What are you going to do with the unconscious bias? Like that's, that's actually what it is. But we make it like, oh, like this. I'm a bad person. Oh, I'm awful. We just make it like this whole thing. It's just a pen. Mm -hmm. So you can put the pen down. It's like a line of code. You can go, oh, here's this program called my life and my mind and all the way I perceive things. And I just found this pen in there. Do I want that? I, I think I want that pen in there. Hey, I'm going to take that program, that pen out. It's, it's just that. It's just, it's just a decision. And the only way you can unprogram it, like all the only way we're going to ascend human consciousness is by peeling back all these layers and taking a look at them and seeing what's there and realizing that was part of a program like yeah. this whole women on woman violence you're talking about you know this like that's been programmed in to keep us all small and powerless yes you and, know, and tearing each other down right and but how do like the only way through it, it the only way through it is to go through you know to to look at that saying why did i do that to another woman what what was i doing well i was comparing her to a certain expectation where was that expectation set and who set that expectation and why should I, and is it right to be comparing this woman who I haven't heard her voice before to a, a, a white man? Like they're going to be different kind of voices. And so do they have to be the same or can I just appreciate that they're different and allow and accept that they're different? You know, that's kind of the deep dive into the well um, that I think I'm now exploring but you have, but what was so interesting in this evolutionary business council is actually admitting things like in people and that were speaking are like, you know what, I'm an African-American person and I've had prejudice against my own people and I hate saying that. And until we are completely vulnerable, like you and I have been during this conversation, we cannot really have real conversations. If we wanna have a conversation where we look good or not triggering anyone and are, you know, being PC the entire time, we'll never have the real conversations. And it's the real conversations when we'll get to really the human collective truth that we have been missing because we're so into papering our pain and our shame of not knowing and everything. Like we have to have the real conversations. Yes, we do. Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful place to leave this. That's gorgeous. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and have this conversation. And I know that you're in the midst of finishing that article that you're going to share with everybody in the in the near future. And whenever you're ready for that, we'll, we'll uh, link that into the show notes. So this is, you know, like we talked about um, in the council the EBC meeting is like, this is an ongoing conversation. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not an easy button push. It's a, it's an ongoing dialogue, a back and a forth and real willingness to be transparent, willingness to look at yourself, willingness to feel the uncomfortable feelings and then go, where, where did that come from? 
and you got, you know, be curious and investigate this and keep going deeper and keep having conversations. That's right. right. Awesome. So um, I'll put a link to in the show notes to my interview uh, with CJ on her show. And, uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes to the article as well. And so I hope that everybody here takes a look at that really take a look at your own bias, your own unconscious bias, your own prejudice. And uh, no one's exempt, you know, we're all in the conversation together. And this isn't a blame, shame and guilty thing. This, although blame, shame and guilt might definitely be feelings that you have. But it's not about that. It's really about revealing it, what's been hidden underneath the surface of this whole matrix that we're all immersed in. And we get to change it from the inside out. That's the coolest part. Yes. And we can take it. We're strong. We're, as a society, we're, we're getting stronger. It doesn't feel that way. We're at a huge pivot point. And if we can just lean into our vulnerability, that is where we are actually going to get stronger. But if we just keep on running away from our vulnerability, we can never fortify. Very true. Very true. Stop running, face the mirror, take a breath, put your hand over your heart, your hand over your belly and say, I can do this. Yes, you can do this. I can do this. this. (laughs) Look, we're all safe. We came to the end of the broadcast. And if you're still with us, you made it. Conversation one, check. <laughs> awesome. Or 500. Some of my listeners are pretty advanced. So it could be conversation 500. <laughs> All right. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks for being with us, CJ. I'm going to give people kisses on the way out. Hey, by the way, you guys, if you like this interview, please share it, like it, give it five stars on iTunes, YouTube, wherever you find it, share it out with friends, you know, just share it out because it would get that article out there even more. And like, maybe people will start thinking about some of these things. So, okay. I want to hear how we've pissed you off or how we think good or bad. I'm curious. I'm curious too. 20 cents. I know I have. Do you love us or do you hate us right now? Or do you kind of like a little little bit of both? (laughs) Exactly. Comments help as well. Everything's welcome. We love you unconditionally. So whatever you have to say is welcome. We love you. Okay. Here come kisses. Just to smooth it all over. (laughs) We love you, everybody. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar from the source of who you are.